Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. So it occurs to me that you may have no idea who I am. Although I preached in your church about 30, 31 years ago, and some of you, I'm sure, remember that message. Um, My name is Ken Baker, born and raised in New Jersey in the shadow of New York City. Met my, I had the good sense to marry a Canadian. I met my wife, uh, Henry Content's sister, uh, in college. And we were married, and the first three churches I served were in Canada, in uh, Leduc, Alberta, and then Hamilton, Ontario, and then Coquitlam. And it was during those years in Coquitlam that I became familiar with Second, Second Church in Abbotsford. And, uh, and I remember worshiping here and I remember preaching here uh, back then. And then in 1992, uh, I accepted a call to uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, a church in Kalamazoo. And we, uh, I served there for 25 and a half years on Annalise's 10-year plan. Um, <laughs> And this is our first time back in Canada for about two and a half years, and you understand why. So we, uh, we have been so eager to make a road trip out to BC to visit family here and spend some time in an area of the continent that we just love so much, and we've had a wonderful few weeks. And, uh, and so I'm delighted to, uh, to be able to worship with you this morning and to Uh, open God's Word with you, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to attend to God's Word together. Uh, Back in 2005, Annalise and I had the the privilege of visiting Hong Kong. Uh, We were there for three, three and a half weeks. Our son and his wife lived in Hong Kong. He was a, uh, a middle school pastor a youth pastor in a large English-speaking congregation in Kowloon. And his wife taught in the International Christian School in Hong Kong. So we visited this remarkable city in the uh, south coast of China. Population of over 7 million people. I don't think we ever crossed a street, crossed a road, in Hong Kong, where we were not accompanied by one to 200 people, all crossing at the same time. Uh, Such a dense population, a thriving city. Hong Kong, as you know, was a British colony for a long time, for over 150 years, 156 years. And then on July 1, 1997, it'll be 25 years uh, in another month or so, the British government handed sovereignty over Hong Kong back to the People's Republic of China. The Union Jack was taken down for the last time, and the flag of the People's Republic went up on the flag stand. For years after that transfer, things continued pretty much as normal. Hong Kong was Hong Kong until the last few years when the communist regime in Beijing uh, has cracked down, as you know, on democratic reforms, on advocates for democracy. Uh, There have been hundreds, if not thousands, of arrests and detentions. The free press has been shut down. It's quite a different place today than it was when we were there. But when we were there, 
17 years ago. The evidence of British influence was everywhere. Buildings, architecture, vibrant churches, a flourishing economy with consumer choices that would match anything you find in Western Europe or in North America. The banking system, English language signs were everywhere. For over 150 years, this little colony, about 400 square miles, existed in the shadow of the vast empire of China. But the people living in this colony were loyal British subjects. Their values were predominantly Western and British. Their way of life was predominantly British. The vast majority of the population was and is ethnically Chinese, but for all those years, their allegiance was to the West, was to Britain. For all that was evil about that era of colonization, we still understand the concept of colonies. And we know a thing or two about colonization from our Canadian and pre-Canadian history. Both the British and the French were intent on planting their flags and imposing their sovereignty on this vast land that we now know as Canada. And when you travel across this country, you still see the vestiges of loyalties and allegiances shaped by those two centuries of struggle for control that finally led to 1867 and Canadian nationhood. Think of all those settlers across this land who put down roots here but still live by the values and under the sovereignty of their homelands. In their magnificent book, Resident Aliens, Stanley Hauerwas and William Willimon describe a colony in this way. A colony is a beachhead, an outpost, an island of one culture in the middle of another, a place where the values of home are reiterated and passed on to the young, a place where the distinctive language and lifestyle of the resident aliens are lovingly nurtured and reinforced. And this, they suggest, is what makes colony such a fitting metaphor for the church. In all times, and in all places, and in Canada today, the Christian church is a colony. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven. As Christ followers who live under the sovereignty of the kingdom of God, under the sovereignty of the kingdom of heaven, the church is an island of one culture in the middle of another culture. Our baptism constitutes our citizenship papers. Our baptism marks us as resident aliens. So the dominant culture around us is Canadian, secular, materialistic, consumer-driven, deeply individualistic, polarized. But here in the colony, we live under the sovereignty and the values and the ethical standards of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Here, the values of home are reiterated and passed on to the young. Here, our distinctive language and lifestyle are lovingly nurtured and reinforced. All of this happens through our worship, our fellowship, our faith formation. Here, we don't nurture our children in the Canadian way. We nurture our children in the way of the kingdom of God. We are a colony of Christ followers in the lower mainland of British Columbia. 
To be more specific, we can think of ourselves as an Easter colony. In the midst of an overwhelmingly secular culture, we are a colony of settlers who are shaped and governed by our loyalty and connection with the risen and exalted Christ. That loyalty and that connection are what shape us as a distinctive Easter colony. Now with that metaphor in mind, let's listen to our scripture lesson this morning from Colossians chapter 3, where the apostle says, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at God's right hand. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Therefore, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips, and do not lie to each other, since you have put to death your old self and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all. And Christ is in all. This is the word of the Lord. Since then, you have been, past tense, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. You died to the earthly ways of the empire. You died to the earthly ways of the secular culture around you. You died to those ways and that life. And your life is now hidden. That is, it's, it's all wrapped up in the risen and ascended Christ in God. These are remarkable words coming from the Apostle Paul, writing to Christians, fledgling Christians in the first century, new believers trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus Christ in a world dominated by the influence and culture of the Roman Empire. There was not an area of life that was not shaped by the empire. Business, economy, religion, marriage, family, education, language. It was a thoroughly pagan, idolatrous culture. And here was Paul bringing the amazingly good news to these Christians in Colossae. That world is not your world anymore. You died to all of that in Christ. You don't belong to that old world anymore. You aren't bound by its values and its practices anymore. You were raised with Christ. Your life is now hidden in God's new world, the heavenly world. That's where the real you is now to be found, with the risen and ascended and exalted Christ. What a beautiful, encouraging, affirming, radical, subversive message 
for the church in the midst of the Roman Empire. What a beautiful, encouraging, affirming, radical, subversive message for the church in the midst of this North American empire. It's the same good news. Paul is telling us that in the risen and ascended Christ, we are an Easter colony in this world. And notice the language he uses in verses 9 and 10. He says, you have taken off, again, past tense, by faith, you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self. You've taken off, and you've put on. The language he uses is the language of, well, of, of wardrobes, of changing your wardrobe, uh, of changing clothes. He, he continues the imagery in verse 12 when he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and so on. In using this language, Paul probably had in mind the practice of the early church in baptism. Candidates for baptism would ordinarily take off their old suit of clothes before being immersed in the water. And when they rose in the water again, they'd be given a new set of clothes, white, pure white, symbolizing the purity of the new life they now shared in Christ. It's a beautiful imagery. And this is Paul's point. As those who live in the Easter colony, we are people who have a new wardrobe. You have put that old wardrobe away, says Paul. You've discarded it. It doesn't suit the new you anymore. He's referring, of course, not to real clothes, but to practices, to ways of living, to ways of behaving. The old wardrobe for the Colossian church refers to the practices and lifestyles and values typical of the Roman Empire. And in particular in this passage, Paul refers to two areas of behavior that were typical of the old lifestyle, the empire way of life, the areas of sexuality and speech. Verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. In the Roman Empire, prostitution was widespread and considered acceptable. It was even connected to various religious cults. Masters, male and female, were free to engage in sexual relations with their slaves of either sex in the household, including children. So long as the person was of a lower social status, there was license to do what you wanted to do. It was not considered adultery. All the behaviors and attitudes toward sexuality that Paul mentions were commonplace in the empire's way of life, just as they are commonplace in the cultural life of North America today. Ours is a culture that has lost its sensitivity to moral constraint and moral direction when it comes to sexuality. And I'm sure I don't need to illustrate this for you. Everything is okay. Everything is acceptable, so long as nobody gets hurt. Pop culture pushes the envelope constantly. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry in North America. In many respects, the sexual permissiveness and excess of the culture around us is every bit a match for the Roman Empire. But that's part of the old wardrobe for you, says Paul. That's not the wardrobe suited to you anymore. The new you living in the Easter colony. 
And the same thing goes for speech morality, for the ways we talk about each other, the ways we talk to each other. Verse 8, he says, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and do not lie to each other. That kind of violent, hateful, disrespectful, hurtful, deceptive way of talking may be acceptable in the empire. It may be acceptable in Canadian culture. It certainly, I can tell you, is acceptable in American culture today. But you, says the apostle, you have left those things behind. You've been raised with Christ. You are Easter people living in the Easter colony. You've gotten rid of that wardrobe. People who wallow in sexual immorality and practice hateful speech just don't get it. They just don't understand the way things are supposed to be in God's world. They don't understand what it is to be truly human. They don't have the common sense to understand how diminishing and perverse and hurtful it is to behave like that. They don't understand. But you... You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You get it. You understand. You are able to thoughtfully step back from the influence of that culture around you and figure it out. That's not right. That's not appropriate for me. That doesn't fit with what it means to be an image bearer of God. Being raised with Christ, your thinking has been renewed. Back in chapter 1 of this letter of Colossians, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, we've been praying for the church. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. When you live in the colony and you are surrounded by a culture that wants to pressure you into conformity to its ways, its values, its behaviors, its assumptions, well, you need knowledge. You need wisdom. You need understanding. Understanding that comes from the Spirit. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, sitting at God's right hand, Set your mind on things above. In other words, learn to think Christianly about stuff. Learn to look at life through the lens of the kingdom of heaven, your new homeland. Learn to look at the influence around you and ask, does this fit with what it means to be a person who has been raised with Christ? We should not be taking our cue from TV, from online news personalities, from the right or from the left. We take our cue from the kingdom of heaven and the one who sits at God's right hand. And one more thing that sets the Easter colony apart from life in the empire. 
life in the Canadian culture. Here, says the apostle, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all, and Christ is in all. The Roman Empire was defined by social divisions, privilege, power, opportunity, and acceptance, and legal protections were determined by social status. Slave, free, citizen, non-citizen, Roman, barbarian, rich, poor. And then there were the divisions within Judaism, Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised. And then there are the divisions within Canadian society. Privilege and opportunity and power determined by race, economics, gender, nationality, language, education. All these categories that separate people and break down community. Here in the Easter colony, says Paul, these divisions have no place at all. We are a community renewed in the image of God. These old habits and divisions are a denial of what it means that humans, all humans, are created in the image of God. Here we value community. Here we value unity. Here we practice love. Those ways of dividing people don't hold for us anymore. Not here in the Easter colony. Not here where we've been raised with Christ. Not here where we've got our hearts and minds set on the ways of the kingdom of heaven. Here in the Easter colony, Christ is all, and Christ is in all. Everything we are, everything we do, it all connects to him. It all coheres in him. All things are reconciled in him. All things come together in him. Here in the Easter colony, the thing that defines us is the thing that unifies us, and that is Christ. Everything we are, everything we do is shaped by our connection with him. That, my friends, is the good news for us on this Ascension Sunday. God has made us Easter people. He has raised us with Christ and he has renewed our minds so that we can think Christianly. Now we can go from here wearing our new wardrobe, and we can live it out together in these coming days. Let us remember who we are, an Easter colony populated by Easter people. Let us remember our core identity, baptized into the risen and ascended Christ, raised with him. And let us remember our new homeland, the kingdom of heaven, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for what you have done to transform us and rescue us from the kingdom of darkness to bring us into the kingdom of light, your kingdom. We thank you for the work of your spirit in our hearts and lives. We thank you for our renewal and transformation. We thank you that you have made us new in Christ. Shape us as Easter people as we live by the values of your kingdom for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. 
We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.